Hello, welcome to the Go Home Podcast. We are your hosts, Mary and Michael Leppard. We have been in the homeschooling world for over 25 years. We authored the Homeschooling Almanac and the Homeschooling Book of Lists. We produced 14 homeschool conventions over the years with speakers such as John Taylor Gatto and David and Mickey Colfax. Our publication, The Link Homeschool Newspaper, brought together all religions and all styles of homeschooling. We began with the idea that all religions and all styles of homeschooling have something to learn from each other. We are producing the Go Home podcast with the same sentiment. The Go Home podcast will focus on all things home. Homeschooling, homeworking, home living, and why Americans are going back to their homes. Welcome to the Go Home podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show today. When we were all homeschooling, science was the toughest subject for most of us in the old days. Now there's so many great things out there, and I have one of the, a member of one of the great companies, Novari Science, which is now part of Classical Academic Press. I have Jeffrey Mays here, who is a science education specialist, and he's also the father of four grown adult children. And we're going to talk about science. It's going to be very exciting. He actually makes it exciting, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. I'd just like to introduce Jeffrey Mays of Navari Science. And should I say Classical Academic Press now, or are we still saying Navari well, Science? Both. Oh, both. Okay. <laughs> we're saying both, yeah. And so you are the one of the original founders of Navari Science? Yes. Well, not a founder. My... Uh my brother John was the founder, um, but he was—he and I were both working other jobs when he started the company. And then, well, just on paper, you know. But then um, in 2012, um, I was looking for work, and he wanted to go full time with the company. So we both—he—he he quit his day job and asked me if I wanted to join with him, and we both became full time with the company. That's incredible. So what what products did you have at that time? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I remember those early days. Um, I remember going to uh, educational conferences where we had three products. Um, one textbook uh, and two supplemental resources. And that, boy, those were lean times. And so, what were they? Were they science, or tell us about what you had? Were they mm -hmm. science and a workbook, or is that? Oh, it was. Uh, it was yeah, it was science. Um, we had our our first textbook. It was. It's a mouthful. It's accelerated studies in physics and chemistry, and we just called it ASPC for short. Um, oh. So, and we still have that book today. Yeah. Uh, oh. We still have that book today, and um, it's a ninth grade book. And then, in addition, we had um, a resource, that, a style guide for writing lab reports. We call it Student Lab Report Handbook. And then the third item was um, John's very first, or no, I guess it would be his, the second book he wrote, which is called Teaching Science So That Students Learn Science. It's a book to teachers about educational methodologies and uh, study study habits of students. And uh, it's really became the manifesto of Novari Science. And so what's his background? Well, John, uh, he was an electrical engineer at first. Um, he went back to school 
uh, and got a, a, a master's in education back in the nineties. Uh, he also has, um, he started, he got, I believe 36 hours toward a, a master's in physics, uh, didn't actually get that master's, um, for personal reasons. Uh, but then he also has another master's in liberal arts. So got a lot of degrees. So he was in the industry for about 15 years. And, and so why engineering industry. So, oh, so that's really interesting because why, why were you guys so, why was he so concerned about teaching science the proper way? Did something happen in like with his kids Mm. or like, or when he was in college, what, what, what was the reason? Well, he, um, he, you know, he, he, we're both, um, guys who have a many, many interests. Uh, He's got, he was interested in the science and engineering and math side, uh, but he also um, loved teaching. And um, at one point, engineering was just kind of leaving him flat, not really uh, feeding his soul, so to speak. And mm-hmm. he he talked to his wife, and they decided to just go for it. And they would take, you know, they'd take a, a pretty big pay cut, but it would mean that he'd be able to teach and do the thing that he loves. And and so that's what they did, and um, that was about halfway through, you know, 15 years in industry roughly, and then roughly, well, it ended up being 20 years um, plus in the, in the field of education. And so it, Novari really started in the institutional school setting, not the um, homeschool setting, right? I mean, your, your main customers are and were schools, and and you have a lot of homeschool customers, or what? What's the main flow of the products? Well, you're right. Um, it started out as uh, primarily targeting targeting schools, and the first uh, you know the first customers we had were schools. Um, but around the second year, third year, we started getting a lot of attention because homeschoolers started finding out about these resources and wanted to use them, and um, we had to retrofit we had to go in and make some changes to the materials to to make them accessible to parents to be able to do them at home and just modifications so we we realized that this is a really big and growing uh market that we cannot ignore and so and so here we are <laughs> and and so you know i know that one of uh the things in the beginning that you really focused on, or I, I don't know if it was your brother or you who really thought that it was important not to have these big old thick textbooks and fill mm. kids' heads with more information because the science was low in the United States. And isn't that kind of what the philosophy was in the creation of the books? Because the textbooks were so big and fat because they wanted to cram more information and kids still weren't doing well with science. Is that kind of mm-hmm. how you started with the earth science books? I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Type C Typing Program offers your family a full touch typing video and game curriculum for less than $70. Touch typing is a necessary skill for today. Typing correctly and quickly ensures a lifetime of ease in college, writing, and other serious work. Success in the workplace will continue to require well-developed typing skills. Type-C covers all typing skills, couched in fun and enjoyable practice with videos and games. Help your child develop mastery today. 
Go to TypeC.com to order. Well, that was uh, that was a, a component um, early on in the thinking about how's the best, what's the best way to teach science. John was finding that um, he was teaching in just the same methods that that he had had when he was in school, and he would get to the end of the school year, and kids would could would, would say that they they didn't even remember talking about some of the things like that they had talked about in October the year before. Like someone said, kinetic energy. Did we even talk? Do we ever talk about kinetic energy? What is that? And he went home and realized that he was a failure at a, as a teacher. And he set out to work on developing a better way. And one of those, one of the ways was to, um, to realize that we're trying, we're instead of going deeper and mastering concepts, we're going through, we're, we're covering material without really requiring students to, to, uh, to learn it, master it and retain it. And so the way to get a smaller textbook is to say, we're going to learn, we're going to cover less material, but we're going to cover it more deeply. Right. And that means right. that the textbook can be smaller. And serendipitously, it makes a smaller text, which students love, because um, the, a, a fatter textbook doesn't mean kids are going to learn all that stuff. Um, they're just cramming more information in those books, yeah, because- rather than requiring students to learn them that stuff in the first place. As a mom, I'll ask you this, because I remember when my son was little, a textbook, quote unquote, what, you know, um, are you familiar with Charlotte Mason, the um, that oh, yeah. style of homeschooling? Okay. So I always used to try to incorporate all subjects with the Charlotte Mason philosophy. Like the text, I never really used textbooks, but the textbooks, when I use mm. the Calvert curriculum, would be big, thick books with a lot of information about, say, kinetic energy, and then questions at the end with a checklist versus uh, if you were to do science the Charlotte Mason way, you would maybe, you know, learn about uh, heat or whatever and and jump into a project with your child that actually has them do it. And then later you would name it and and call it because they really understood the process. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what you're talking about? Are your books that way? Because I, I noticed on the website, it says that, your brother was very unhappy with the graphics that were in books and just the content, the the massive content. Mm. And so is this more of a way, a style of teaching science that really makes the student really understand what's going on So to where taking a test would be not even necessary because they understand the process? Well, um, a number of things I would say about that. Um, the, that style of learning is is especially effective, I think, with younger students um, who are very tactile and just they they want to see it and they want to play with it and experience. And we one hundred percent advocate that. In fact, we do not have uh, textbooks for for elementary school grades. We don't intend to produce them. And I think the worst thing you could do would be to sit a student, a little kid, a, you know, a third grader down at a desk and put a book in front of them and say that's science. Mm-hmm. Um, they they need to be playing with tadpoles and playing with magnets and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Right, right. Um, so our textbooks, um, the problem we found with textbooks, another thing that was killing uh, 
science education and kids saying they hated science and, oh, I'm no good at science. We're finding that the textbook is what was killing the science forum in many cases. And so John and I and all of our, all of us at Cap, uh, Classical Academic Press, we are all readers. Um, we love literature. We love reading. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so and John is, John has been a reader uh, since he was, he really turned on to reading when he was about 20 and discovered a whole world of literature that hadn't been introduced to. And he loves literature so much that the books, um, the books are written in a way that, uh, make for good reading. Um, they're very clear, you know, his engineering background makes him a very clear, very, uh, precise and concise, uh, writer. Um, and yet he'll, uh, he'll speak to the reader sometimes, not, not too often, but, um, but then we also have very beautiful, rich graphics that support the text. And so we get these testimonies all the time from folks who, who just love the books. They just love to look through them because they're that's, interesting. That's unbelievable for science books. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't imagine saying, I love this I because I just got this packet uh, of a bird curriculum, and it's a whole packet of all these different things to study birds. And it's like I can look at it and go, I love this, all these colored pictures, all these ideas of what to go do. But I can't picture myself mm-hmm. saying I love a physics book. But <laughs> that's really great that you could say that, and people – People, all the listeners out there should say, hey, you know, I want to get a science book that I love, that people are saying yeah. that. That's amazing. What was his writing background yeah. before? Did, was he a writer before that? Um, not, uh, he just, he's, he's tried his hand at writing, like literature, like fiction, and just realized that was not his thing. But um, he has, you know, a lifetime of writing, uh, technical writing. Oh, right, right. Um, from his, uh, yeah, from his engineering and professional back and management background. And so uh, he's very, he's a, he's a maniac for accurate sentence structure and punctuation and mm-hmm. the correct use of vocabulary. So he, it, all his skills making them really, really gifted educator and communicator. So he's taken that and turned it into uh, a series that, has really made a big splash. Is transforming as uh, science. That's education. fabulous. And and so you guys also you both love science, right? He loves the subject. Yes. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We do. Um, all these things should, we feel that they should be completely compatible, mutual, and interchange not well interchangeable in a way, and not uh, compartmentalized. Um, another thing that we don't like about modern education is the compartmentalization of the subjects. And so one of the things that we're intentionally doing is trying to integrate across subjects in our science textbooks. So you'll see, you know, there's intentional integration of history, the history of science. Oh, um, that's very course, Charlotte Mason. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I should have said that Charlotte Mason. Um, oh, can you repeat that? You, Jeff, repeat that because it you just cut out and we'll be able to edit that out. So I'll just say it okay. again and then because I don't know what happened. You, did you hear that, Lennon? Okay, um, so integrating the textbooks with different subjects is very Charlotte Mason. I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Right Start Mathematics is an elementary and middle school program using a two-sided abacus 
that is ideal for kinesthetic and visual learners. This abacus uses visualization of quantities and strategies for learning the facts. Practice and reinforcement of the math facts is achieved through card games. This research-based program guides parents on what to teach, how, and why, day by day. Right Start will give your child an understanding, mastery, and lifetime love of math. Visit rightstartmath.com for complete information. Right, right, it is. And uh, so we're intentional about that. What we do, we integrate, well, obviously mathematics, that's, that naturally goes with science, but also history, the history of science. We integrate very intentionally through all the books. Um, uh, written and verbal communication is very very important to us, but also anytime possible, we can, we can bring in references, uh, to music or architecture or astronomy. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a science, but, um, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to communicate that you can't just take science and it doesn't just stand alone. It's part of the entirety of human, uh, activity and enterprise. And, uh, we don't encounter the world that way. So why would we incur encounter, education that way why would education divide up subjects so so rigidly and 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 why would teachers not require students to science class students to write complete sentences with correct grammar and good right. Sentence structure right i mean you know I, yeah i think a lot of subjects are i mean especially i think this about science when i think of this saying i heard that confucius said one time about how there there's ex, there's approximately 10,000 things in the world and all education does is try to write down what they are and give them names. That's it. <laughs> I think about that all the time. And I really thought about it when I was homeschooling because, you know, understanding things instead of naming things. And then, you know, and then that's why, like, you know, medicine is kind of like that, too. We we have a liver doctors and heart doctors. And in, in the East, they integrate the whole body together. And we have a form mm -hmm. of education and medicine in this country that is not holistic. And I, I find it right. really interesting. So I know exactly what you're saying. So I love that about your books that you do that. So what, what do you have? What, what, what are the books? Physics? Can you name the different ones? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, for middle school right now, we have two books, Physical Science and Earth Science. Okay. Um, the other one that's forthcoming is life science, and uh, that one's in the works, but it's it's going to be a, a bit before that one comes out. Certainly not for this coming fall, 2020, but um, who knows, maybe a couple of years after that. Um, at high school, we have uh, physics, chemistry, and biology, and we're developing two tracks at the high school level, so a standard and accelerated, if you will. So there's a standard physics and accelerated physics. There's standard chemistry and accelerated chemistry. And we just came out with our general biology book. It's actually at the printer right now as we speak. Wow, and uh, we expect that's to exciting. have that uh, this summer. Yeah, it is. And then um, and then plans are in the works for a an advanced biology book, which would probably be a molecular biology book. Oh, that's exciting! So you're you're you you're both must be really excited. You're you're. It sounds like you're doing exactly what you love, and and you know, John Holt said you'll never work a day in your life if you do exactly what you love. And it sounds like that's what <laughs> right. you guys are doing. Is that right? Do you feel well, like? Yeah. Well, yeah, we love it. It's a lot of it's a lot of <laughs> a work. A lot of work, though. <laughs> um, John is. Uh, he was when he was 
writing the early book. He has not written all the books. Uh, he wrote chemistry and physics. All, those are his, um, his areas. But, okay. you know, the writers for the other ones. Um, but when he was writing the, the physics books, um, he was so driven and his mind was on fire as he was writing these things that he just found himself staying up until uh, 2 o'clock in the morning writing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he would come home from work. He was teaching at the time. He'd come home from work and um, eat dinner, grade some papers, and then just run in and get, get back to work on the textbook writing. And so we were all just worried about him. <laughs> you know, as he was... Uh, he, well, that's a, really impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. But, and <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, I, I want to cover a little bit about the 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 young earther thing and the sep- different book. Do you have secular versions of the books versus um, Christian versions? Or, or are right. they, tell me about that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, about uh, two or three years in when John and I first started, we, started getting some word that, uh, well, we start out with a, with a Christian, uh, faith-based, uh, curriculum. Then some charter schools and some other secular, uh, educational, uh, institutions started showing an interest and meetings we had with people, a headmaster of a charter school, I guess, was one of the early ones who said, I love your books, but I can't use them. What, what have you got for me? That turned into the starting of a second imprint or like a sister company where we took all of the books we had so far and then went through them and edited out um, faith-based content and then republished them under this new um, label so we could serve the market. So that's called Centripetal Press is the name of that, and that is also part of Classical Academic Press now. Okay, but I, I have a question about um, the the Young Earth debate thing because I'm just wondering right. like when the charter schools asked you for for something that they could use that was secular what what because I noticed on your website that you, you I, I love how you say that you want to put this debate to an end and put it behind us did you right. always not believe the earth was 6,000 years old as Christians or did you start did you do your research at that point when the, when you were asked for a secular version? I mean, what did you, as scientists and Christians, when did that come about? Um, well, we grew up in a conservative Baptist home in the South, but we never believed the Earth was that young, was six thousand years old or young. We, I don't know, somehow. We grew up in a home where the idea of the earth being millions of years, billions of years old was just not a problem. And so uh, there were ways to look at the Bible, the verses in Genesis that talk about the creation, and to understand that they were not literally describing um, what was what was going on in the creation, um, or in terms of time, certainly. And so it was just never a stumbling block for us. Um, so... In the you know in our in our lifetimes now we've done quite a bit of research additionally and um, we've always been right at home with that idea and um, uh, oh, so so it was, it was, it was feature it, of our home really yeah oh so it was not a problem to I mean I guess the secular books just don't make re- biblical references at all right but right or, so the Christian aspect of Novari books are. Um, 
they're light touch, I'll say, for one thing. Um, they're not heavy-handed. Some Christian publishers can be very heavy-handed in the Christian material. We include it in there, but it's not uh, not. Oh, I see. Page. So the Christian version of Novari does not say that the Earth is 6,000 years old, as well as the secular version, because it also talks Correct. about... Correct. Right. Oh, I see. I see. Right, oh, that's very right. interesting. You guys are very gutsy. <laughs> yeah, well, we got a lot of... A lot of people wanted to point that out and say, are you crazy? You're yeah. going to publish an Earth science book that talks about an old Earth? Right, you know? right. And, well, guess what? There were a lot of people out there who were dying for such a book. They're believers, but they don't go along with the young earth thing. Right. Um, so we were the first ones to come along and to scratch that itch. And, and I not love only that. with not only with old earth um, science, but in what we believe is the best science book, beautiful, well written, and the Bible, uh, right? Modestly sized. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, that's very interesting. And so, so. What well, oh, we could talk about the the young earther thing. I I just have a question though because we could talk about that for an hour. But I just wonder, mm. just for my own curiosity, because I I started homeschooling probably in in nineteen ninety three, and I I don't remember ever here. And I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, so I had a lot of um, Baptist friends and Mennonite friends, and I don't I I don't remember ever hearing about young earthers until I came back to California and I was involved in some really born again Christian homeschool groups where there were people who were split about the topic. And it just seems like it's something that in the last um, maybe 18 years started becoming an issue again, or did I just not know it because maybe I just didn't hear it because when did it become such a controversy? I'm going to say dot, dot, dot right here to take a short break to give you a message from one of our sponsors. Do you have a gluten intolerance? Avoiding gluten in foods is not enough to ensure your well-being. Gluten-Free Savonaire offers a complete line of skin care and beauty products that are guaranteed to be free of gluten and other common allergens. What goes on your skin may wind up in your mouth or eyes or soak into your body over time. Visit gfsoap.com to see their complete line of products guaranteed to be gluten-free and allergen-free. That's gfsoap.com. Well, I think I would agree with you that it has become really um, radicalized, politicized in the last 20 years or so. But yeah. um, it really started to catch fire in the, I believe it was either the 50s or the 60s when Henry Morris um, published a book. Um called the Genesis flood. And I think there were some other books, but he was a guy who, who took a, an issue that was really secondary or tertiary level of importance and kind of weaponized it into a, uh, you know, a battle cry. And, mm -hmm. um, his descendants have, have done that, um, have continued to do that. And if you listen to some of their spokespersons, you'll hear them lumped it in with, with um, rape and drug use and removing prayers from schools and slavery and all the bad things in the world <laughs> and say that young earth, you know, old earthism is part of the whole um, wreckage of our modern culture, you know? Oh, um, interesting. And, you know, yeah. um, 
that's it's just so fascinating some of the things that people think and because <laughs> yeah. I, I know that uh, a lot of the people I knew in homeschooling who were quote unquote young earthers also didn't believe in dinosaurs and they had a whole other list of things that they didn't believe in as well and right. uh, fossils right. and just everything just it, it's very interesting well I really commend you guys on being so so uh out there and brave, you know, because it's tough to do. <laughs> but well, well, thanks. And that's why you have so much success, I'm sure. Um, right. That's so tell us about the the um, uh, the coming together of classical ap- academic press with Novari and Centripetal. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, of course, we've known Chris Perrin and his uh, classical academic press. For years, he's the president um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the company. Um, we've met him at conferences for years and, you know, sat at the same dinner table and things like that. We've been friends. And he approached us um, about this time last year, 2019, and said he wanted to meet sometime and talk about a possible partnership. And that could be anywhere from you know, we just carry Novari books and sell them all the way up to possible acquisition. Um, and we were, we were skeptical at first and, um, just wanted to, you know, we were feeling really good about what we're doing and not really of a mind to, um, to sell the company. Although we thought it might come to that one day. Well, the meetings happened and, Things just uh, changed uh, in our perception. Uh, it just seemed like they're a big company. They have so many resources. They have graphic designers and web designers and stuff on on staff. And the partnership, the acquisition, made the most sense and would, would take our little enterprise and give us resources that we never would have had before. And, and so it enabled us to just really extend our grasp uh, much, much more. And it allows us to, you know, John and I to focus on areas that we want to do. And, you know, John no longer has to do the accounting, for example. Right, right. I was going to ask if it's allowing you to come out with more products and uh, do things, you know, go dive into things deeper than you were before. Is it uh, allowing you to do that? That's the intention, yeah. Um, And so what it means is not only can we be more, uh, produce more, more books and products. We're producing videos. Uh, classical academic press has a a videographer, (gasps) a team. And, um, so they're producing all these videos. They're going to put, um, some, a lot of our experiments, they're going to film them and put them up, uh, for people to watch, you know, on YouTube or Vimeo. But, uh, this is a big homeschooling thing because frequently homeschoolers, for whatever reason, can't do the experiments either they live in an apartment where they're, they're not allowed to you know have a burner or a chemicals <laughs> or whatever yeah. and but but they'll be able to watch the experiment um on a on a video lots oh, so of other that's resources very exciting like that. like that do you yeah. do you envision in the future a an online completely online product that you'll move completely away from from the textbook model and have like an ebook online and then you click for an experiment and then continue in the book. Is that, that, is that the direction that they're going? I don't think they're going so far with electronic, um, uh, uh, um, putting the whole thing online. They do have, um, uh, an online school, Scholae Academy. They actually have two 
Scole Academy and St. Raphael's Academy. And they're, they're this year for the first time creating new class, online classes to go with the books. Um, so we have that, but, um, we are, we're believers in the value of uh, a hard printed book in your mm-hmm. hand, uh, that you read, you know, um, and I, agree uh, with I, I think you. the whole, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, yeah, ebooks it's, and online classes have, have gone a little bit too far, I think, for t- effective education. I do too. I think just also for just effective, um, brain development in people of all ages and and even like with this thing going on with the coronavirus and all the isolation i think we're seeing as human beings whether it's education or just human contact in general we need we need to see and hear and touch other people you know <laughs> and and mm. touch real things like when we're doing experiments we need to actually touch real things and and you know do everything in in real time. I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, and I mean, I think that's why science has always been so difficult for homeschoolers because, you know, most people don't want to buy all the things it takes to um, do science experiments. And I I remember Mm -hmm. years ago, there was this giant package that you could buy that would cover like five years of uh, earth science. And it had all these, experiments and everything. I don't even think it's around anymore because most companies don't don't spend that much money on hard copy materials, but I agree with you. I think it's there's nothing like seeing, you know, what happens in real time and uh and holding a book and reading it. I think it's yeah. it's a whole different yeah. feeling. But well, I'm I'm really glad that you uh are were on the podcast today and I'm glad you're having so much fun with uh doing the both products now that you're a part of classical academic press. And it's just really exciting uh, to see something in science that is just uh, so fun and so valuable for homeschoolers and for everybody else teaching their kids. And so people, do you recommend that people go to Navari science and math.com or do they go to classical academic press to purchase your products? Well, the both websites uh, exist. Um, the Novare Science and Math website is still out there, um, but it's mainly for information. There's tons of resources, videos, recordings of, of talks that John and I have given. Um, m- many of our old newsletters are still out there. And uh, however, all the purchasing is done on the Classical Academic Press website. So um, they're, they're connected. And if you look at the calendar... Uh, if you look at the catalog on the Novare site, it will take you to the Classical Academic Press um, catalog where you can make a purchase. Oh, that's great. Okay, yes, yeah, I see it. I'm on it right now. That's perfect. So for anyone listening out there who wants to purchase uh, the products um, from Novare Science and Math, they can go to classicalacademicpress.com or they can go to Novare Science and Math.com. Well, thank that's correct. You. Yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey, very much for being with us today. And uh, My pleasure. And I look forward to talking to you again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you the best in the future. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been All a right. pleasure for me, too. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. You, too. Thank you for being part of our show today. The Go Home Podcast is a production of California Incline, LLC. 
Our producer is Lennon Leppard. To find out more information about today's podcast and going home, please visit our website at gohomebook.com. If there is a topic you would like us to cover, please email me at mary at californiaincline llc.com. Thanks for listening.